0: I work with a company called Breakthrough Academy, and I'll talk a bit about BTA today. Um, it's mostly this talk is mostly about you guys and hiring and this talent shortage. By a show of hands, how, for how many of you does that statement how to hire in a talent shortage, especially the talent shortage part, like does that resonate with you on some level? Do you get what I mean? What do you like? What are you guys noticing right now? What are you feeling? What does that remind you of? What experiences are you having in your business where you're like, yeah, I get that? Wage pressure. Wage pressure. Labor's getting more expensive. What else? Quality painters. Quality painters. What else? Not enough people. Not enough people, right. So this is, this is the, the narrative I wanted to pick up on and the story I wanted to talk about today. Um, We work with about 450 super high-performing contractors within Breakthrough Academy. They're scattered all over North America. They're in a whole host of different industries. Painting's a big one, but we work with some others as well. And everyone is saying the same thing. This is not just a painting thing. If you think it's like unique to your market, it's not. It's North America-wide. It's actually a global phenomenon, this talent shortage piece. And so I wanted to just put together like a one-hour talk to help do two things. I want to answer the question of like, how did we get here? I think understanding a problem and the actual nuance behind it and some of the underpinning forces is a really important first step before you go start to solve it. And then the second thing we're gonna talk about today is the solution, which is not a quick fix. This is not an overnight, I've got three tips and tomorrow you're gonna to have your dream team. I'm, You know, that's a different session, I'm sorry. What we are gonna talk about is a long-term and scalable and super intentional solution called a hiring funnel, which is a combination of a few systems that we're gonna give you guys access to um, as our way of saying thanks for being here. So there's. These contractor quick tools were, um, we developed these over the last couple years. It's a combination of an example file, a template, and an explainer video for four different systems. There's one of these that's a two-in-one, which is the first. So as I go through the talk, you're gonna see how these things interconnect and how one thing flows to the next and how when it's all built perfectly, your people problems will be diminished. It's never gonna be perfect, but I promise you, This is what our 450 clients have implemented over the last few years. And for them, this this problem is one that bothers them a lot less. We actually have some people who are turning away applicants because their hiring funnels are so well built. So anytime you see that green icon on the top right where it says free resources and then the little download folder, what that means is I'm, I'm talking about something, the slide I'm on, the concepts we're discussing, there's a, there's a free take-home resource for you. At the end of this, I'm going to send you to a, be a QR code that comes up, you can scan it, you go to a page, you download these things, and we'll have them to you by this afternoon. Um, these are things that our, our clients pay us for, so it's just our way of saying, like, we really appreciate you guys having us and we appreciate you coming. Um, Ideas are the easy part. I say this all the time, right? A lot of people have ideas. They love their ideas. They're all the best ideas. It's the implementation. That's the more difficult challenge. I see a lot of heads nodding. You're like, yeah, I get that. We want like, we're really passionate about equipping contractors with the tools they need to build the business they want. And so that's sort of just what's in store at the end here. Okay, um, I said this this morning. I do a lot of I do a lot of like sales and assessments and, and marketing related stuff for Breakthrough Academy. I also host a podcast. Does anyone listen to Contractor Evolution? Okay, you you one of you had your hand up first. We got more. Come by the booth tomorrow. Um, it's been a ton of fun. Thank thank you for listening. If if you haven't yet, I'd, I this is my shameless plug. It's the only one I'm gonna do. We release every Wednesday. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, our mantra, our slogan for the show is unpacking the tools, systems, and tactics you need to scale your fast-growing contracting business. It's all value. We have no paid commercials. It's, it's, it's all killer, no filler. Release every Wednesday. I'd really encourage you to check it out. Me and my co-host Igor have a ton of fun with it and we have a lot of experts on who are way smarter than us and just blow our minds every week. It's, 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 a, it's a good thing. Okay, let's get into today. So the purpose and outcomes for today's session are I want to give you the concepts and tools to help you overcome the talent shortage and attract and hire rock star staff in spite of it. Outcomes, okay? this is my promise to you by the end of this. You learn the fundamentals of building a world-class recruiting funnel, and you gain access to four of our contractor quick tools, making implementation easy. we're going to, as I said already, we're going to spend a few minutes just talking about how we got here. Then we're going to get into Hiring Funnel Fundamentals. There's four key pieces. Ideal candidate profiles are a system that you would develop to understand who you're looking for before you go looking for them, which might seem like an insanely obvious step. Nine out of ten contractors completely blow past it and they're, they're interviewing people with no criteria. They don't actually understand who, who is a good fit for this position. So it's, by, for all intents and purposes, square one of a, good, of a good hiring funnel. Then we'll talk about how to write better job postings. We'll talk about interview setup calls, that pre-screening setup call. And then we'll talk about behavioral interviewing, which is sort of the, the gemstone on top of all of it. You can do all of this stuff, right? Um, but if you're just kind of doing like a gut call on everyone that you meet with and going, well, I, you know, I think they're a good guy, let's just give it a shot. Um, the, the results can be disastrous. You can get lucky, but, but more often than not, it's, that's not the case. So those are the four sort of fundamental pieces. This is meant to be a very educational session. I'm going to try to keep this light and fun and interesting, but there's, there's some stuff here that's actually quite technical that we're going to get into. So please um, take lots of notes. Interrupt me at any time. Right? If you have a question or something I said doesn't make sense, raise your hand. We can stop and go over it again. Um, The last thing I'm going to talk about is implementing change, okay? Ideas are the easy part. So that's what we want to talk about to close this out. How do you take these concepts and actually build it into your business? So I want to hear from you guys. um, Actually, we'll do this by a show of hands. So we're going to organize this in terms of like three different buckets. For how many of you are feeling like, I can't even get people applying to the job posting in the first place. I post something on Indeed, I post it on ZipRecruiter, whatever, and like I wait a week and there's three resumes max. Show of hands, who, who's in that bucket? Okay, a, a good chunk of you. How many of you are, get, are, you are getting resumes, you, you post something and you have a flow, but <laughs> it's trash. Like it's just, ugh, this is rough, this is not, more of you, okay. And then lastly, are there some of you where you're getting, inba- you're getting inbound flow, you're doing interviews, you're making hires, but more often than you'd like to, you're finding that three months later, six months later, this person is like not who you thought they were. they have a big hand in the back. Yeah, totally. Okay, we're going to talk about how to solve all three of these things. This hiring funnel um, section I'm going to go through is going to address all of that and then some. But I just wanted to know if this is like... Is this hitting on, uh, is, this hitting, uh, uh, is this resonating with you? Does this strike a nerve? So, when did hiring get so hard? Does anyone have a take on this that they'd like to share? Like, do you guys have, like, what are your ideas? Because 2010, it just wasn't this difficult. What's happened? COVID, what else? employees market. That's totally that that is absolutely the case. Trade is aging out. Trade is aging out. We're going to talk about that. I've got some statistics on this aging workforce, which is a very big data point you need to be aware of. Anything else? Yep. <laughs> Boom, I've got a slide on that. Okay, you guys are smart. These are, you know, you know what I'm glad I haven't heard yet? Young people suck. <laughs> yeah, I know you're thinking it. I know you're thinking it. Nobody said it. Good for you. They do suck. I'm just kidding. Um, So I want to tell a bit of a story here. This this dates back further than you might think. So the origin story of this this talent shortage, this is pretty well researched. I didn't just make this up. I've got sites. I've got sources on the bottom. some heavy lifting here to get to get to the bottom of this, but, you know, this is, this is my take, but I've, I've trust me, I've done quite a bit of research on this. So it looks like this actually all began in 2008, which a lot of you will remember. Huge housing bubble implodes, okay? Um, lending freezes in 2008. Banks clam up. What happens when there's a huge amount of fear and doubt in the marketplace is, is tran- transacting slows down to a great degree. That's Economics 101. And what happened specifically for construction and trades is that about 1.5 million workers left the sector. There's no work, OK? I'm going I'm to retire, is what a group of those people would have said. And then there'd be some people who, who just had to go find something else, find some other career. 1.5 million is a lot of people. So there's a huge dump, like a huge exodus of talented people leaving the sector. Over the 10 years between 2010 and 2020, I'll show you a graph on the next slide here, the sector slowly recovers. There's a big big bailout from Obama, there's a whole bunch of stimulus, and we kind of get things going again. 2015, by 2016, it's, it's fully roaring, and people do migrate back to construction. And we got all the way back to where we were in 2008, all the way back, and what happened in March 2020 the beloved covid pandemic right everyone's favorite so this hits we lose another million people like like in a day like very very quickly now what was different about the pandemic is you guys will all remember we were deemed an construction was deemed an essential service early like i think april or may so a lot of people were allowed to return to work you guys were able to go back to job sites so we're going to talk about in a couple minutes this was actually a bit of a boom time and still is for contractors a whole bunch of pent-up demand in the marketplace went to you we'll unpack that in a minute but this was largely good for business except that you can see at the bottom here only about 20 only about 80 percent return so we still lost two hundred thirty-eight thousand workers as a result of pandemic as, as a result of the pandemic that's, again, a, a lot of people. Um, and so some of those people would have retired. Some of them would have found new jobs. And, and sadly, there's a whole, whole, there's a whole group of them who just wanted to eat Cheetos in their pajamas and collect a check. And okay, Trust me, that is not who your business is missing. You get that? I hear a lot of people say this, like the government ruined the workforce and nobody wants to work. It's like... That's BS. Like, there's definitely a group of people who will kind of ride this train as long as they can. But I promise you, like, that's not the missing piece to your business. So just let that one go. So this isn't shown on a graph. This is straight from the US Bureau of Labor Statistics. Here's the big dip in 2008. So you can see a huge drop. We kind of recover, 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 recover. 2020 hits, another big drop. And then we recover again. And now we're somewhere today off this graph, but when you're trying to understand this, you really can't ignore these two huge hits to the system. These are two big, big, big um, events, historical events that made this situation a little bit more challenging. And I just, so a lot of people say COVID, we're gonna get to COVID, that's a part of the story as well, but I wanna trace the roots of this all the way back to the beginning. This is, I think, where this actually started. So we have this thing called a I'm calling it a decreasing talent supply. A gentleman a second ago said we have an aging workforce. This is true. In 2014, the average age of a construction worker was 40.5, which is already pretty high compared to other sectors. If you look at food and beverage, hospitality, big tech, finance, that's already a little higher than, than those other industries to begin with. In the the seven years in between, so 2014 to 2021, it's gone to 42.9, so that mean age has gone up by almost two and a half years in a seven year span. That's a lot. I don't know if there's any statisticians in here, but that's that's a pretty significant move in the upper direction over not a long period of time. Um, we, We could do a whole talk on just this one point. I think there's 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 two things that are happening. I'll just I'll I'll try to be brief on it. That whole young people suck bit I hear a lot. You hear I hear it in webinar rooms, I hear it at conferences, I hear it in our membership, and I get it, I'm a millennial, I love millennial bashing, they're the worst. But there's there's something else going on here, which I actually think what's, what's happened is while, okay, maybe. Gen Z and Millennials are less tradesy than their parents and grandparents. The case could certainly be made. Let's have a beer later and debate that. I don't think that's the whole story though. I think what has happened is the economy has boomed and other sectors that painters, landscapers, general contractors, etc. are losing the talent war to have invested in their employer brands to a degree that we have not yet. Does that make sense yet? Does that make sense? Like, put yourself in the shoes of a young, per- a twenty-year-old right now. You've got remote working models more popular. You've got the tech boom. You've got, you know, lifestyle entrepreneurship. And I'm, and I, and I want to be clear. Construction is an unbelievable opportunity for a young person. You can get ahead quickly. Hard work is rewarded. Um, it's fun. It's engaging. You work with the team. It's a very, very good option. So that is not what I'm saying. Right? It's that this is not being communicated in an effective way to the younger workforce, yet. Does that make sense? Okay. So, that's just a, we could go, I could go way deeper on this aging workforce piece, but I think that's a part of it. Um, people are leaving faster than they're coming in. Someone said a steady decline in shop classes. This is really interesting. So, I remember in high school going to carpentry and going to automotive and going to metal shop. You guys remember that, right? Like there, this is literally baked into our curriculum at school. You kind of do you try a bunch of them in grade 8 or grade 9 and if you are a mechanically inclined youngster, you pick one and that becomes a part of your credits, a whole part of your education. These have been defunded or entirely scrapped in huge parts of our education system, and I'm not going to get political on this slide, but I think I can speak for a lot of us when I say that was probably not a good idea probably not a good idea those were dollars well spent for our young people and so unless you have a a dad a mom an uncle a grandparent who's showing you this stuff in their garage or at home if you're that kind of kid there's really nowhere to explore this predisposition for that kind of work which I think is a shame and I love I see a lot of people in this space doing really cool like extracurricular programs, they're volunteering, they're, they're doing co-ops, they're, they're doing everything they can to bring young people into the business and show them that, hey, this is a, this is a cool thing, right? Painting is a cool thing. It's a great opportunity. I have a ton of ad, admiration for people who are trying to kind of fight this trend, but that's another really significant thing in the story of the decreasing talent supply. And then the last one that a lot of you said, which doesn't surprise me, is, is COVID-19. Okay, so, Depends on your geography, it's different in different states. Certainly where I live in Canada, we were big on spending people, like we spent a lot of money to just keep people at home for about a year and a half. Some places there was less, but I've noticed en masse across the industry, can we all agree that there's sort of like a lethargic like workforce that's kind of slow to get back to things? Have you guys noticed that? It's just the enthusiasm isn't there, the energy isn't there, there's a bit of a handout culture that's crept in on the margins. I don't think it's over. I don't want to be doom and gloom and be like, it's all ruined, no one wants to work. It's like, it's just a little slow to get the engine going again. So we're feeling that as well more recently. That's the decreasing talent supply. Now, to make this even more of a pressurized situation, there's been a huge increase in talent demand. Massive. What's happened? Okay, unprecedented stimulus. The, the number's kind of different depending on the blogs I've seen and the resources I've, I've read, but a lot of them come in at this nine trillion with a T number. That's somewhere, we don't know for sure, that's somewhere between 22% and 40% of the entire money supply of USD has been printed and injected in the last two years. Did you guys know that? Seems like a bit of an overcorrection, but I get, like I guess I'm not an economist. That's a lot. That's a lot of money, okay? So we're like, well, we gotta keep things going. We need to bail out the economy. Everything is gonna crash. I don't think that many stuff crashed. If you own a restaurant, it's been hard. If you run an airline, it's been hard. But for a lot of the, for a lot of the um, economy, I don't think it needed that much of a prop up, but there you go, that's what happened. Prime interest rates have been sort of held down at an all-time low to keep real estate moving along, that they're starting to creep up now, but that's another factor. This is interesting, and I know a lot of you have experienced this firsthand. We've had travel restrictions, border closures, and a complete and total slowdown of our hospitality industry, which means while realist, like people's homes are getting higher in value, their stock portfolios are doing well, all of that money has nowhere to go. So how many of you in the last two years have had clients who said, well, we were gonna go to Costa Rica, but let's get the house painted, right? Like, all of this stimulus has nowhere to go. It funnels to you guys, which is why you've just felt like crazy demand, this crazy boom. So big stimulus, nowhere for that money to go except for home improvements a lot of the time. That pent-up demand pressurizes real estate and construction markets, meaning anyone with half a brain and a pair of steel-toed boots is employed right now. Okay, so if you're feeling the pinch, this is, you know, this is by no means the exhaustive rundown of all of it, but those are some big trends you need to be aware of when you think about, man, why is this like, what's so hard, why did this get so hard? This is why. So this, this increase in talent demand has meant that a lot, of the, a lot of the labor pool is employed. To say nothing of the A players, the people you really want. Looking forward, there's this big, big, big bill that's gone through sometime in the, sometime near the end of the year. Last year, this is Biden's deal. Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, that's 1.2 trillion with a T, roads, bridges, mass transit, airports, waterways, electrical grid, electrical vehicle charges. I think it's actually kind of a good idea. You guys hear about this? Yeah, okay. So is this gonna be good or bad for the labor pool? I don't really know either. I don't know either, so on one hand, it's going to compete for the labor that you guys are competing for. On the other hand, there's going to be a huge amount of spending on training and getting people into the workforce. So to say that this is like categorically good or bad, we don't really know yet, but it is something to keep an eye on going into this year. For sure, because of this bill, we will need a million more construction workers over the next two years to meet current projections. That's a lot of people. So where does this leave us? That's a bit of a morbid preamble. I'm like, oh, this is terrible, and this is bad, and we're all going to die. It's like lighting up, man. Holy. All right. So this is where I'm going to round the corner, and we'll get a little more optimistic. This is all that's happened, OK? The relative talent supply that you have to pull from compared to the size of the market, which is growing, has gotten a little smaller. It's gotten a little smaller. Okay, But there's a very important shift in mindset that needs to happen. This is my favorite slide of the talk. There's a difference between facts and stories. Here are some facts. The pool of people you have to choose from is smaller. You will need to work harder at this to attract and hire talent. The decrease in supply and increase in demand for talent has pushed up its price. You're going to have to pay more which is going to suck. So you're going to be like, "When I was a painter, I was making $14 an hour and you whiner you want 27." It's like <laughs> I feel you. It sucks. <laughs> Pass it along to the customer. Like it, literally it is what it is. I don't want me to say. Like you, there's no other workforce coming. There's no website where all the good applicants are that you haven't heard of. Like it is what it is. Okay? So here here's some stories that I hear a lot, especially in webinar chat rooms. They do a lot of webinars. And the chat rooms are just like full of like just whiners. It's like, come on. This is what I hear a lot. No one wants to work. Millennials and Gen Zers are lazy and entitled and they suck. I hate them. They're on their phone all the time. They don't deserve to get paid this much an hour. And the government has ruined the workforce. If the slide was bigger, I could find 20 more to put on there. Those are stories. Those are not facts. That's your interpretation of the facts. And what happens with stories is they're very seductive. Right? Like it's, like, it's very comforting to tell yourself that the reason you can't build the team you want is because all of these external factors and it's not you. Okay? So you got, I get, and trust me, trust me, I fall into this all the time. I got to catch myself and like, poof, okay, reel it in. If you spend too much time in stories, you shoot yourself in the foot before you even start to try to solve the problem. Do you guys get that? Does that kind of make sense to you? So it's, it's re- the, the mindset here is really important. X is in the wrong place. <laughs> I think we moved that to fix a typo. It's supposed to be a big X on stories. That's okay. I love a good surprise slide. Close enough. <clears throat> so what do we do about this? What do we do about this? You know, I've said work harder at it. I've said, I said spend more on it. That's, that's a little generic in terms of the advice. That would not be a very good session if I just kind of left you there. Try harder. Um, so we're going to talk about a hiring funnel here. And the, the, the way I like to frame this is to explain this in terms of a process that you all already understand, which is a sales and marketing flow. You might call these slightly different things, but your sales and marketing process is organized in a similar fashion, okay? So you have an ideal client profile, right? You know who your best customers are. You may have a document written to summarize them. You may have an avatar. It might just be a strong mental concept that you have, but you know who your ideal client is. You create a brand, a name, a logo. You create advertisements to catch that type of person's attention. That generates leads. You call those leads. You do setup call. You schedule an estimate. You go to the home. Maybe some of you are selling over Zoom now. But you do an estimate, you build a proposal, you show it to them, you ask for the deal, and if you're a good salesperson, you're probably closing 40 to 50% of those. Right, you onboard the new customer, ready for production they get in the schedule. Does that look familiar? You guys get that? Okay, we get that. So a recruiting and hiring funnel is the exact same series of steps with just slightly different terminology and a slightly different purpose. So we build an ideal candidate profile. This is, who do, okay, we need a new office manager. Right? We're overwhelmed with administrative stuff. I'm managing three inboxes, a CRM, somebody needs to do the phones, um, and so I need someone to track my data. I'm the entrepreneur, like I, just, I literally can't spend the 20 hours a week or more required to do all this. We need an office manager. An ideal candidate profile, which we're gonna talk about more in a minute, it, this would summarize, this would describe the exact ideal office manager you're looking for, the strengths or weaknesses, what they want in life, what they're looking for. Okay, so you start with that in the exact same way you would start with an ideal client profile for your marketing and sales. Then you create a job posting that speaks to this ideal candidate. Then you use some applicant generation tactics. I've got six I'm going to share in a minute which are really, really good. You do a conversion call. You schedule an interview. You hopefully pick the best one who scores the highest and you onboard a new employee. Does that make sense? Okay, same thing. This is it organized in the shape of a funnel. We have three top of funnel systems, and the three top of funnel systems work in unison to deliver you the inbox full of resumes that you need to be picky, okay? You will always make a bad hire if you have no one good to choose from in the first place, right? So this top of funnel section solves that. You need to have an abundance of applicants. You need to have choices. Otherwise, you're just scraping the bottom of the barrel, which I've done, and it's not a fun place to be. Middle of funnel does two things. You sell while qualifying. You are selling to talent because they have options. I said this this morning. They've got four other interviews this week. Like the person you really want, you're you're not the only business or entrepreneur they're meeting. So you want to sell while qualifying to assess, is this person who we want? Bottom of funnel is about selection. So you're picking the right person, you're offering a job, and then you're moving them into onboarding, which we're not going to talk about today. We're just talking about this hiring funnel. All right. Who Who here has built an ideal candidate profile before? Anyone? One person. It doesn't surprise me. This is like a little hidden piece within the, within the hiring funnel that most people blow right past because you think it's so simple. I don't need to. I know what a good painter is. I know, I, know what it, like, I know how they talk and how hard they work. I know what a good painter is. Two things become incredibly hard without an ideal candidate profile. You cannot interview in a structured way, which we're going to talk about more. You, cannot act, you, have, you haven't thought about the criteria that you're looking for. So while you think you're interviewing, you are having a formless rambling conversation and you're making a gut call at the end. That well, seemed like a good guy, right? So that's impossible without an ideal candidate profile. You also can't create a compelling job posting that speaks to this kind of person, that speaks to that individual with the values you're looking for, with the background you're looking for. You cannot create a, a compelling piece of copy, a job posting, an advertisement, anything. So Two really, really important parts that come later. What this is, <clears throat> just practically speaking, is it's a, it's a document that you build that describes your person, who they are, and more importantly, what they are looking for. I think most business leaders have this concept of certain people with certain traits are good in different roles. Most of us skip the part where that potential employee has needs in the same way your customer does. Right? They want to feel a certain way about their work. They have personal goals in their life They have certain skills and strengths that they want to use and and be recognized for on the job site. So if you can understand their needs, your ability to craft a compelling message and attract that person to your business goes through the roof. So questions to think about on the profile side. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are their core values? What skill sets do they have? That's what we're looking for. What excites them, right? How do they want to feel about their work? What are their goals for the future? What might they be fearful of? What baggage might they be carrying around from their old boss who was a total jerk? This is really valuable insight for you to have when you're crafting a job posting, which we'll talk about in a second. There's a really good um, contractor quick tool on this. So download it at the end. And if you do nothing else, just start building ideal candidate profiles before you do anything else. Any questions on that before we move on? Okay. Okay. This is the quick tool. Um, Job postings. I won't go long on this because the the tool does a better job explaining it than I can, but I have some good news for you. Okay, the good news is most job postings out there in cyberspace are what? They're shit. (laughs) You said it. They're terrible. Okay, if you don't believe me, go have a look. After this session, go look at jo- construction jobs, painting jobs in your market. If that's back home, just go look at it. Read ten. Okay, I would bet you money there'll be fifty typos. There'll be no imagery. It's going to be a morbid list of descriptions. It's a really, it's a, it's a really hard job. It's going to be really hot, and uh, it's dirty, and you got to work hard, and it's twenty-five bucks an hour. It's like. Who's applying to these? Right? It's Like put your marketing hat on, right? Approach this with the same energy and enthusiasm you would creating an advertisement that your client sees. This is worth more to your business than the client. I don't know why we treat this like this secondary activity that we'll get to when we have time. So a good, strong online job posting has a few things. There's a a catchy and engaging title. Um, I didn't catch the whole thing, but I caught a little bit of Brandon's talk this morning. He talked a lot about writing these well. I thought he had some really good thoughts on how to capture attention, use color, use imagery. There's always a short company profile that sells your place of work, okay? This is where there's a, for me, in my business, like I, you got, you kind of have to fake it till you make it a little bit. You might not feel like, oh, my business is that cool. I've got nothing to talk about. We're just a humble little painting company. It's like bullshit. Like. Talk about your values, talk about your team, talk about the cool job sites you work on, your culture, your team events, this stuff matters. It matters more than you think to a job seeker. So talk about that. Have a, have a detailed job description, doesn't need to be long, but again, the job description is not talking about how hard it is, it's talking about how awesome it is. And I'm not saying you don't need to set realistic expectations, That just comes later. You do that on a phone call, you do it in an interview, this is not your time to talk about how difficult it all is, even if it is, okay? Clear skills and requirements qualify out. Deal breakers. What are deal breakers? Say it again. No license. No transportation. Can't get on a ladder. I hired this six foot seven basketball player who's like NCAA. This guy's a beast. I'm like, you're gonna paint so many houses. It's like, I'm like frothing. I'm like, I can't wait to get him. I cannot wait to get this guy on a job site. And first day, I'm like, well, there's your paint. There's your ladder. Let's do this thing. And he's like, ladders. Like, you didn't say anything. He had, like, crippling vertigo. And I was like, just get up anyway. Like, four rungs up, the whole fiberglass ladders, like, shaking off the wall. Okay, Probably going to save myself two months of getting excited about this guy had I just put it in the job description. So if there's something black and white, you guys mentioned the obvious ones, driver's license if you need a vehicle, um, reliable transportation. Attitude is a deal-breaker, I would agree with that. Um, compensation, what do you guys think? I don't think there's a hard and fast rule for this. Different people have different opinions. I generally come down on like, if it's an hourly role, if it's a, if it's a job site role in a super competitive labor market, I probably would post that. Sadly, it is, on, on some level, it can be that transactional. If it's a, if it's a salaried role, a manager, a project manager, site supervisor, office manager, someone that gets paid by the year. I probably wouldn't include it. I would say inquire for more. But again, I'm not, I'm, not stup- I'm not a stickler about that. A clear call to action. Okay, when you go and check the other job postings later, read the bottom of them. They're going to say stupid stuff like this. For more information, check out our website. Right, to schedule an interview, come into our office. Like, you're, there's, this is such a... If you guys are marketers you understand how important it is to like, capture things and be very clear with your communication, if you want someone to apply, tell them how you want them to apply. For Like, hey, if this sounds like a fit and you'd like to talk to us, send your resume to jobs at btapainting.com or whatever. Doesn't need to be more complicated than that, but for God's sake, don't do all this work and then skip that crucial step. It happens all the time. So there will be an example file, an explainer video, and then a, t- a fill-in-the-blanks template I hate doing stuff from scratch. I hate a, like a nothing is more depressing than a blank word document. You' like a, like an Excel worksheet and you're just like... You just hear like sad violins in the background. So we just believe in like don't reinvent the wheel. There's a framework for this. We'll give it to you. Get our logo, get our logo off of it, add yours, change the font, change some copy. You can do this in 45 minutes and you'll have a perfectly written job description with, Probably a better end product than you would do um, from scratch. Okay, this is a really important section: applicant generation. As I said before, you'll always make a bad hire if you have no one good to choose from. So, the crux of the issue here is getting eyeballs on these things and getting as, as much flow as you can. A lot, some people like complain about like, oh, like you know, it's a mixed bag. Some people are good, some people are bad. It's like that's the point. Don't worry about if you're getting like applicants that aren't who you want. Um, As long as you're getting some good people in the mix as well, that's fine. So volume is a good thing. If you have a hundred applicants to sort through, that's a good problem to have, way better than having three. So there's um, three passive tactics and three active tactics I want to talk to you guys about. Um, Some of you guys might be doing some of this already, maybe not. This is like, I'm not just making this stuff up, this is what we do with our members and it works very, very well. The first is Post a sponsored ad on a minimum of three, not one, okay? Minimum of three job boards. If if there's a pay gate, on a lot of these sites, they'll say it's $200 to be a top ad, or it's $100 to be a sponsored ad, or a banner ad. There usually is a way to throw money at the problem. Throw money at the problem, okay? Get it at the top of the pile. Don't let it get driven to the bottom, like with every other job posting out there. This is money well spent in the grand scheme of your business. Use the template we provided to write a better job posting if you don't have one. This is not a small project, but this is really, really good infrastructure for your business to have long term. How many of you have a join the team page on your website already? Only a few of you. Okay, You might call it a careers page, you might call it a work with us page, was that a question? That's a really good question. He's asking if careers is like the right word. Would it scare people away? Are you because it's like too long term? Like a career? Like I don't want to. That's a great question. So, I so just like sort of co- copywriting, overarching wisdom would say it's better to write with directive language. Like j- join is a verb. It's like do this thing. I haven't thought that much about, like, is it scary and intimidating? I don't have an answer for you right now. I can say the one that I believe performs the best would be join the team or work with us. Probably better than jobs or careers. It's just a click. This isn't like they're committing your life. You just want them to click on it. But it's, no, that, that, it's, a, it's a really good question. So a join the team page is essentially a... Web, it's, a, it's a page on your website that highlights your business as an entity and the open roles within it. There's a couple things that I've seen members do that sort of puts this into the stratosphere in far, as far as like its effectiveness. One would be on the Join Our Team page would be to film like a hype reel video for your business. This would include you, the owner, doing an interview on camera about your company, your vision, a little bit about your backstory, the values, why your team rocks, okay? That might feel uncomfortable for you for a minute. I don't care, do it anyway. You get key staff to come on. Videographer is not that expensive. For them to come out for a day, do the shoot, post-production is probably two grand. Okay, that's like, that's, that's not nothing, but you have this forever. So you have a, you have a join the team video with you, Key staff, it's upbeat, it shows the job site, it shows, shows your other employees who love their job. Beneath the video, there's gonna be open roles. And if you wanna get, re- like this is, I've seen a few people do this, it's very cool. Underneath the job description, there says uh, painters needed, project manager needed, estimator needed. You would like click the estimator button, and on the back end, it's actually connected to a type form. Who knows what a type form is? It's a really simple kind of landing page. It's a, it's a cheap software product that allows people to fill in their information very quickly. And it's like a super low friction way. Wait, I've, I've used this and you're like, this is slick. You see the site, you watch the video, you see the ad, you s- click apply here, and all of a sudden you're filling out like your credentials. You get a call 20 minutes later. You need a low friction piece of real estate on your website. I'm still encouraging posting on job boards, but when you own this real estate, it's yours forever. And a whole bunch of other tactics become available to you. You want to run paid ads on Instagram or on Facebook, they, they can all push back to the join our team page. It's better for your SEO. So it's a bit more of a project, a longer-term thing, but once you have it, you have it. We have one member that implemented this last August. He runs, he's not a painter, but he runs a um, property maintenance and, and uh, Christmas lights business. Some of you guys might actually do Christmas lights in the winter. Um, he had a recruiting gap of 14 people. Like he needed 14 people to get through what he had forecasted, and he literally hired 16 in three months. Almost all of them were through a really good Join the Team website and some paid ads. So, super effective thing, a little bit more advanced, start with some of the basic stuff first, um, but that will be something to work towards. Another one here, how many of you guys market to your customers on Instagram? How do we feel about it? Is it good? Is it okay? Like, I always get a lot of this when I ask this question. I don't know. It's okay. We're like we're the same. We market on Instagram. It's so much money. You're just lighting it on fire. Oh, it's ten grand. <laughs> okay, sick. Um, I'll tell you what is very very useful for is a highlight of your culture. So think of your Instagram grid, the photos you post, not as this catch like this catchy. Um, beautiful thing for your customers, think about it as a catchy and beautiful thing for your potential employees. So what some of our members do, come find me at our booth tomorrow, I'll show you examples of some of our contractors who have just like, their entire Instagram handle is just purely an employer brand piece. It's um, monthly awards, it's photos of job sites, videos, it's high quality, a lot of the time it's just designed, the caption is acknowledging the employee. So it's like team focused. Rachel just got her red seal as a carpenter. The work she does for our company is unbelievable. We love having her on the team and our customers love her too. Great photo of Rachel, swipe through, and then it's her like on the tools, okay? So your customers love that anyway. Like the stuff you're designing for them, like as an ad, I don't think they're even looking at. This stuff, they're just like, oh, like, this entrepreneur cares about their team. Your team that you currently have loves it. And then when someone is checking you out online, which, trust me, the A-plus players are, they're scoping you out way before the interview, they see this like, that's a company I want to work for. Yeah? So I always call out my crew you know, their names and all that. In their posts. Mm-hmm. Why do entrepreneurs do that? They're busy and they're self-centered. I don't know. Like, it's a no-brainer. Like, I like. 100%. Yeah, I don't know. Um, They're moving too fast. They just have. I mean, that's. It's kind of a jerk thing for me to say. That's not fair. They're probably. They just probably haven't thought of this yet. But I think that this is an amazing dumping ground to just showcase your culture and your team. Makes them feel good. Customers love it, and your prospects look at this stuff and they're like, that's the kind of team I want to work for. So most of our BTA clients have, over the last six months or so, come to the realization that Instagram is a way better recruiting tool than it is a lead gen tool, and that's how they're using it. So passive tactics. You set them up. They kind of stay there forever. They give you some leads just steadily through time. Active tactics, active tactics. this is stuff where... It takes some hustle, but the results are quicker. You can get turnaround a little faster. So there's three. The first is implement an incentivized employee referral system. Who has one of those? Does do any of you want to describe it? What is it, how, how does it look How is it set up? It's tiered. They get some in the beginning, some at the end. Okay, there's like a thousand different ways to jig one of these. It depends on your budget, it depends on the role, but you are um, there's a huge opportunity miss here if you have not dangled a carrot for your team to do some of the recruiting for you. So what that could look like, what we do, is it's a $1,000 bonus for a new hire that makes it through their pro- probationary three-month period. Not on the first day, three months through. We gotta get a feel for this person, make sure they're a fit. Do we feel like they're gonna be here for the long run? Yeah, okay, cool. The employee that referred us, their friend, the person they go to church with, someone from the soccer team, they get a thousand bucks. It's cash, it's like lump sum, boom, have a great weekend. Like that matters. And you're, it's not you don't just say it one time. Like here's what I, a lot of people will go, yeah, we do that, I just like tell my guys, hey guys, we're looking for more workers, like, that's it. So it's it's brought up in team meetings. You have reminders. It'll take six months for the message to sink in. But after after a while, you will have a, a recruiting culture within your team. For bigger roles, like an operations manager, the bonus is three grand. Like It's not a lot of money for the right person. So you gotta make sure it's the right person, which we'll talk about in a minute. But this is money well spent, in my opinion. The second one is called, we call this the Facebook Messenger networking strategy. You might want to jot a few of these down, Um, come find us at the booth later and I can show you like what the message should look like and how we do this. This is a little like gorilla, a little hacky, um, but it works really well. So you get your team together on a Friday afternoon for two hours. It's paid time, it's not optional, you are paid to be here. You organize it with your sites, your customers, you guys clear off a little early, come back to the office. There's going to be some cold drinks, there might be some pizza, some food, whatever. It's a casual environment. Bring a device. An iPhone or a smartphone works. A laptop is ideal. And you beforehand have prepared a templated message. The templated message is going to read something like, Hey, blank. Hey, so-and-so. So you can copy and paste the name in later. I work with BTA Painting. I've been here for three years. I love working here because the team rocks. We have these really great events together. Um, I get to work outside. I work with my hands. It's a super rewarding job, um, and I love it here. We're looking for a new estimator. Here's the job description with a link, a URL that goes to that, that goes to that job description that you've written. If this sounds like someone you know, send them our way. Okay, there's a. $200 finder's fee. That would be for like the person who connects it to your employee. You're still giving the money to your employee. You send that, you give that templated message to everyone on your team. They open up their, their devices. And if you have, you set a goal for 50 cents, 50 direct messages, not a Facebook status, but a direct message. If you have a team of 10 people, that's 500 networked connections in like an hour. Think about how many pe- people's phones in your community are going ping, ping, ping. Oh, cool, I got a message from Lori. Cool, yeah, no, that's kind of sick. I don't need a job right now, but I'll send this to Gary. This, I'm telling you, if you do this, you will get a higher out of it. Like, you might get more. We've hired at least 10 of our staff off of this one strategy. Um, Our members do it every year with a huge amount of success, and if you've already set up an incentivized employee referral program, it becomes a cyclical thing you can do seasonally. So Facebook Messenger is a really, really good tool for this. Not a status, a direct message. Any questions about that? Yeah. Have you guys ever tested direct texting with yeah. that? I know text is like something that you a lot with folio and the data is like 98% of Yeah. Um auto so so like a text blast, there's um there's a bunch of different platforms. There's uh I'm forgetting the names of them. What I would say about auto text is yes, people will open it, but what you don't have with auto text is the wide range of random acquaintances that you have on Facebook, which is why this kind of works. Like you want, you're like, oh yeah, that friend from high school I haven't talked to in five years. Whatever, send him some, like, send it to him. Like you don't have that person's number. You don't have like your weird aunt's phone number and you don't have like your cousin you haven't talked to. You need that, that kind of like hodgepodge network for this to work because it's going in such a diverse range of places. Texting open rates are awesome. Let's talk about that outside of this because I'm quite like, I'd like to do follow-up sequences via text. There's a whole bunch of cool stuff there that's coming out with new software pieces. But for this to work, I really think it's a Facebook Messenger strategy. You could potentially do Instagram, but I don't think that's the right platform for it because people are so distracted. And so Facebook Messenger for that one. Okay. The last one is build a short list of candidates who already have a job. Okay. I am not, Brandon talked about this also, I am not an advocate of poaching. So what I'm not saying to do is go find people and say, hey man, if you come work for us, we'll pay you two dollars an hour more. Not what we're saying. It's not a good look for you in your local business community. It's not the right move for the employee a lot of the time who is just like, oh sure. Um, They haven't thought it through deeply enough. So that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying, I'll phrase it differently. It's strategic relationship building. You know people who work for other companies. Maybe they're painting companies. Maybe they're completely different industries. You know them through your family, through your friends, through your church, through your volunteer organizations, through your sports team, through your fantasy football pool. You, You just, people that you see out there, you're like, they could be a fit, they could be good. Buy them lunch, buy them dinner, have a coffee with them. You're not saying, hey, I want you to work for me next week, you're saying, I own a business, we're growing really fast, we've got opportunities coming up all the time. I like you a lot, there could be a good fit here. I understand you're doing something right now, it sounds great, so this isn't a threat, I'm not trying to do anything kind of shady with you. I just want you to know like this is who we are, put us on the map for you. And if you make this a habit, you're doing this frequently, whether it's a, some, some really great checkout person at Walmart or a gas station attendant, over time you'll get these phone calls they're like, hey, I, you know what? I've been thinking about that lunch we had last year. I'm just, I can't do this anymore. My boss is a jerk. I hate this job. I'm looking for something new. Can we go for lunch again? Okay, and people will start coming to you. So that's like the always be recruiting habit to get into. Okay? Three passive tactics, three active tactics. There's a bunch more we could talk about if we have more time. Um, that's what we have to say about applicant generation. What are we doing here? Yeah, we're good. <clears throat> okay. How many of you have been in this situation? You're, you've, you've scheduled a bunch of interviews on a Saturday and you're sitting there in Starbucks with your cute little resumes printed out like a total dork, you've got your pens ready and you're like waiting for the person like 20 minutes late they're half an hour late and then the next person doesn't show up and you're like the eight interviews you scheduled you did three and they were like the three worst people that you were the least looking forward to meeting. Hands up, no shame. We've all been there, it sucks. So my theory on this is what's happened there is the interview setup call is not being done properly. So this is the first time you're speaking to the candidate. You've read a resume, you think, they sound pretty good, Like I don't know yet, but this this checks out, I'd like to know more. You pick up the phone and call them Most, what I find with a lot of contractors, because recruiting isn't like, it isn't super front of mind. This is something they do when they're driving from one job site to the other, or they're waiting in line for coffee, and it's just not taken seriously enough. So it's like, hey, um, it's Benji with BTA Painting. Is this Tim or is this John? It's Tim. Okay, yeah, Tim. Right. No, I I got your resume. Um... Yeah, it looks pretty good, man. Like, we're really busy. We're definitely looking for new help. I want, I'm, just, I'm tied up right now. I've got to get to a job site. I want to meet you, though. Can we do something this Saturday? Yeah, okay. Saturday, let's do, like, Saturday morning um, at 9-ish at Starbucks. Okay, uh, yeah, that's great. I've got to run. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you later, John. I mean, Tim. Yeah, anyway, talk to you soon. See ya. Right? Like, that's the... That's, sort of, I'm, that's kind of hammed up a bit, but that's the level of, like, seriousness that we take, we take to this. This is a sales call. This is a more important phone call than the one you make to your clients. A good one should take about 20 minutes and it will dramatically increase your show up rates. So the framework for how to do one, we've got a free resource, downloadable. There's a video, there's a, there's a walkthrough. Um, it's gonna do a better job than I will explaining this, but um, the, the main piece I wanna communicate here is you're getting to know the person on a personal level. You have notes out, you have your resume in front of you, uh, their resume in front of you, you do it in a quiet place. You're checking in with, with them. What's your current situation? Are you working right now? Do you have another job? Are you coming out of school? Did you just finish a big trip? Are you, are you eating Cheetos in your grandma's basement? I'd like to know that before I waste another two hours on you. What are you up to right now? Right. Um, What are they looking for? What type of job do they want? You're you're assessing their needs, right? Like you would with a customer. What kind of project are you looking for? What matters to you and a contractor? Same kind of questions. Helicopter tour, quick overview of the the business, the position, quick exploration of past work experience, deal breakers, and then a, a structured closed. Hey, Tim, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Your resume checks out. I can't say if you're a fit yet, but I definitely wanna sit down for an interview, get to know you a little bit more, explain our company a bit more with you. I'm doing interviews this Saturday at the Starbucks on 3rd. If you have a home office, maybe you do it at home, maybe you do it at your, at your shop. It's gonna be different for each of you. Yeah, we're doing this at Starbucks, okay. 9 a.m., please be there 50 minutes early so we can get a coffee and find our seats. I'm really excited to meet you, okay? Please be on time. Please dress professionally. You don't need to wear a suit, but no sweatpants. Um, Looking forward to meeting you on Saturday. Please come with some notes. Prepare some questions. Can't wait to see you. Okay? That's pro. This is is low-hanging fruit. The people that you want have other interviews to go to. So if they're not leaving this call being like, that person was cool. Like, I really liked her. She made made me feel seen, she made me feel understood, she asked me some good questions. Their business sounds really neat, I don't know that much about it yet, but I I wanna learn more. If your applicant isn't leaving the phone call with that impression, they're not showing up to the interview, and the worst part is they're probably not even gonna tell you, so you're in a situation I've been in many times, feeling like a dork in Starbucks. Just sipping the latte, like, oh, brutal. Okay, free resource, get this, Uh, I'll make it available at the end. So, crown jewel here is behavioral interviewing. So, I have done this dozens of times. I hired someone when I announced to them that I'd I'd selected them and I I wanted to train them and bring them onto the team. I was excited and so were they. Three months later, I'm like, what have I done? Like, I've missed something. What's happened? You mean you aren't that hardworking? Oh my God. I can't believe I've been bamboozled. Ah. It's just like it's just the worst. So, my take on behavioral interviewing is this: is, There's just a knowledge gap here. Most of you are are savvy entrepreneurs. You're a good you're a good judgment. You have a good judgment of people. Um, you understand facial expressions. You understand body language. It's not like you guys are not intuitive. Uh, it's not like you're not good at reading the room. You are. There's just a There's a technical side to this that I don't think gets explained very well. There's a free resource on this. Again, please, this is the best one. If you like, throw the other two away if you have to. This is the best one. Our members love it. It's super, super well designed. The goal of an interview, to be clear, okay, it's to assess whether or not the person you're sitting across from fits the what? the culture, but what, what did we build at the beginning of this? The ideal candidate profile that you designed. You, you, you thought through the avatar and what you need and what they want, you, like you're clear on that. It's time to assess, does this person fit that profile that I developed? Now the really hard thing about interviewing is that you're all extroverted, you're entrepreneurs, you like people, I like people. And the hardest thing to do in an interview is even though you like someone, be objective and say, the trait isn't there, right? The thing that I'm looking for is not here. You're a great person, but I need this specific thing and I'm not seeing it right now. That's a hard thing to do, it's hard to be objective. Interviewing is fundamentally looking for like previous experience. You're looking for evidence of the trait that you're after. I'll tell you one thing you do not care about is what they say they're going to do for you. I don't care, I'm not even gonna ask questions about that. It's totally irrelevant. If I need someone who is tenacious, which is how we in BTA terminology like describe work ethic, someone who's, whose preference is to just overcome goals and obstacles through like gutsy work ethic, they have a high degree of tenacity, I am looking for tenacity in their background. right? Someone with a high degree of tenacity, when I ask them, hey, so tell me what the hardest work experience you've ever had. Okay. Tell me what a typical day like. What were you hired to do there? Okay, got it. So, and what specifically was the hardest part of that job? Tell me about the hardest day, the hardest week, or the hardest month. How long did you do this? Why did you leave it in? What did you learn from this? Why was it like that? You see what I'm saying? Like this is I'm kind of skipping through a 20-minute section of interviewing where you're probing, you're probing, you're probing, you're probing. I'm telling you. The writing will be on the wall. It will be so obvious if you just take this a step further. It will be so abundantly clear who is hardworking and who is not. The hard worker is going to be like, I was a tree planter for four years to put myself through university because my parents couldn't afford it. Right? I worked by the piece. I got paid for every single tree planted, brutal conditions, in camp, 12 hours a day, seven days a week, all summer. I did that for four years. Okay. Someone without tenacity is going to be like, well, my dad said I I should get a job and like, so. (laughs) So um, I started babysitting and I'm telling you, like these kids, I did it three hours in a row. And these kids are hard. Like I'm like, it's just so anyway, I I did that for a couple months and. Right? Like, it's, it's going to be so clear if you do if you grill people, if you probe. And so the way that we've organized, the way that we've organized this, um, this interviewing framework is there's basically 10 very simple characteristics you can look for. I'll try to remember all 10. I might be short a couple. Tenacity is, is work ethic. Attainment is someone's propensity to set and hit goals. So a job site manager needs to have a high degree of attainment. They can look at a large project and be like. Reverse engineer the steps, we'll start here, then we do this side, then we do prep, 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 siding, siding, windows, windows, like they just, they get how to think linear. Um, atten- uh, so we call it, was one thing, precision, is do they have a high attention to detail? Problem solving, can they solve problems independently or do they call me every time, they're like, I can't get the paint lid open. It's like, figure it out, man. So problem solving, that's something that you would want to have in a certain role. Um, uh, What else? Leadership. Capacity to be in a leadership role. Instrumental would be someone's ability to come across as competent, confident. Do they have a good vocabulary? Really important for sales positions. In this quick tool, you'll read all 10 of them. And then what you're doing in the profile, all of these tools kind of connect together. It'll be really, really clear when you download them. What you're looking for is usually four to six traits that you have decided these are non-negotiable. Of course, I'd like all 10. I'd like you to score 10 out of 10 on every sector, but you're looking for a unicorn. So you have to decide these are the four to six that I'm like, I cannot live without. As a painter, you need to have these things. Go ahead. It's a really good question. Um, where do you live? Yeah, so mostly Hispanic painters. Okay, I would be looking to hire in-house, like a Spanish-speaking PM or site supervisor. That probably sounds like an obvious thing, but I would like when I build my ideal candidate profile for an next project manager, I'm like speak Spanish. Number one. If I were you, I would like I would I would. Do a Spanish lesson. I don't, you don't need to get fluent, but like the effort would mean a lot to them. Having a basic ability to communicate, job site directions, greetings, communicate on a basic level would buy you a ton of respect with that crew. But I would be looking people, um, the painters, like painting entrepreneurs that we have that speak Spanish, or they have like like employees that speak Spanish. Their job site management, the way they organize their fleets and schedules, is just like so much easier. That'd be my simple advice. Does anyone have another piece of advice for that? That's just what came to my mind. Okay. Any other questions on interviewing? We we could do a three-hour talk just on interviewing, but um, download the tool. It's going to make it really easy. So a couple big takeaways on this. You're asking probing questions. Past behavior is the always, every time, is the predictor of future results. We don't care what you're going to do for us, I only care what you have done. When this becomes an art form, you are selling while qualifying. So while you're grilling this person about their previous jobs and their values, you're also, you have the ability to like, sell while you're, like this job is really cool, you're gonna be working with this unbelievable leader, you know, our comp structure looks like this, like you're able to do both at the same time. Kind of more of an advanced level thing. I think if you're just new at this, just, just worry about the qualifying, and, and once that's good, you can work on selling simultaneously. And remember, okay, the best people in your market are interviewing you as much as you are them. Yeah. Question. So pretend you did your interview, sales call, yeah, each, and you said show up 15 minutes early, dressing up, you know, all those little sort of things. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good question. I would, I would, I would give a little bit of flex on that upfront stuff. They don't know who you are. They never met you before. Like, they don't know if you're a stickler for that stuff. I pick up. I, I call people two minutes late sometimes. Like, it, if they're half an hour late. That's one thing. They show up drunk. That's one thing. But if you say be there at eight forty-five and they're there at eight fifty-five, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna be like you failed. Interview canceled. Get out. Like. Okay, let's let's meet this person. I don't know, maybe they were late. Like that that happens all the time. It's a really good question. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be a crazy stickler up front for these like secret little tests that you're giving them and hoops you need them to jump through because I find that more often than not you're actually just like I think you're probably pushing away a decent candidate pool and it's it's, it's also just like worth getting the reps in. Like recruiting is a game of momentum. So like you do more interviews, even if they're bad, all of a sudden you're going to get a good one. So I'm usually for just like sit down, do the meeting, make a decision later, meet other candidates, come back to your notes. I wouldn't be too strict about that, that those little tests that you give. Does that answer the question? Okay. Yeah. So one of my challenges is the core values in the interview. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a good question. I've, I've wondered the, the same thing a lot as well. Um, so there's, there's, a couple, there's sort of a couple ways to, the question was, by the way, I don't know if you heard that in the back. Yeah, the question was how to quantify core values. How do you assess core values? There's two things. The first and obvious one is talk about them in your meeting. What does this mean? Hey, this is our core value, integrity. We keep our word. We do what we say every single time. What does that mean to you? Right? Have them talk about it. Have them think about it. Ask them again in a follow-up call later on to see if it's landed on them and sunk in. The other thing that I will say about values is they show up when things are the hardest. So, when you're asking them about the hardest period of their life, and you're listening carefully, you are looking for examples of of those core values. So, integrity. Listen, I understand you're in this really difficult situation. A family member was sick. But you kept going to, You kept going to the like going to the job site. And you like you grit through it. I must have been really hard. Why would you do that? Right. You will see. They'll tell you. They'll be like, I just I keep my word. Like that matters to me. It sucked. It was the hardest thing ever. But like, I just had to do it. That's an example of a core value. So core values show up when things get tough, and that's why you need to do probing questions. I got. I just got my time warning, so I got to keep moving, guys. These questions are awesome. Like, come find me at the booth tomorrow. Let's have a beer later. I'm around for the next couple days. Top of funnel systems, middle of funnel systems, bottom of funnel systems. Big takeaways. I want two. Who? What is? What is one thing you're gonna try next week? One thing. Candidate profiles. Ideal candidate profiles. Boom. Sorry. Sorry, Josh. What is it? Facebook address message. One more. 20-minute what? Great. Okay. I'm glad we learned something. I'm in a bit of a rush now, so we gotta move. Kim Larson, now we're not gonna talk about her. Implementing change. She's awesome. She's a friend of mine. She's really, really successful. Okay. I say this all the time. It's a bit of a mantra. Ideas are the easy part. Everyone loves their ideas and they think they're a genius. The doing is so much harder, right? So this is all we do. This is why Breakthrough Academy exists. Today was a zoomed-in talk on recruiting and hiring. But if you're a fast-growing company right now, um, you're wanting to track your numbers better and make data-driven decisions, you want to understand your KPIs, get clear on your gross profit margin, your net profit margins, make sales forecasts into the future, that's a part of the management system that we implement. We develop organizational structures with key roles, deliverables, reporting structures. We talk a lot about recruiting and hiring. We build training and onboarding systems so that the pace at which you can integrate someone into your business, your core values, and the skills they need to acquire to be good at their role, that happens more quickly, more seamlessly, um, and it gets delegated to the people on your team. So training systems are huge. We talk a lot about sales and marketing. We talk a lot about goal setting and execution, which I talked about briefly this morning in my talk. Clarifying the painted picture in vivid like vivid and stunning detail five years from now. The highest performers have that charted out. So we have a huge management system that we implement. Recruiting is a part of it, um, but there's a lot more there. We do one, our members do 1.2 billion in revenue. Uh, That's what they did last year. And on average, they saw a 21% increase in in growth, in revenue, after a year in the program, which is cool. I mean, that's nice, but I think I'm not going to take too much credit for it. This bottom number is we take a lot of pride in. Okay, we're systemizing not just because it sounds cool and it's like, Really buzzy, and some business guru on social media told you you should do it. We we do it because you make more money. 40% increase in average net profit after 12 months in the program. That's an aggregate statistic across 450 companies. On average, they grew their net profit by that much. Some people even higher. There's three legs to the stool. That is BTA. Content, coaching, community. So the content part, I'm going to send you home with an example of today. These contractor quick tools are three systems of literally thousands that sit inside of a toolbox that you get access to. Like I said, I don't want to stare at a blank Word document. Like I don't want to create a like a, uh, a an expense tracking dashboard from scratch. Like gimme one. Like I want to plagiarize your work and say that I did it. We have. Thousands of things like that that will make your business a lot easier to run and makes the thing is it makes implementation less daunting Like I know when I'm like, okay, I need to write this 60-page SOP for my project manager like, uh, I think I'm gonna go do this estimate Right, it's like this stuff sucks. Let us help you with it. Copy our work. We don't care. You get paired up with an industry-specialized coach. It's their job to set the the course, help you define your vision. Week in, week out, they meet with you, they track your results, and they make sure the implementation happens. This is the hard part, okay? So they're there to guide you and inspire you. They're also there to kind of have a firm hand on some level, Like, like get your ass in gear, hold your feet to the fire. That's what our coaches are really good at, and our members thank them for it. Lastly is the community piece. This is why we love PCA. You guys get together, you talk, you have a beer, it's like, Tonight at the, at the dinner, like the, the room is going to be roaring with you guys just connecting and, and collaborating and sharing ideas. We do a lot of that as well in our, in our group meetings, at our own events. The community It's a very high performance community. Um, it's certainly not for everyone. But remember we talked about ideal candidate profiles? This is ours, OK? Our ideal candidate profile is a highly entrepreneurial business owner. You don't think of yourself as a painter. You're like, I'm an entrepreneur. I happen to own a painting business, but in the future, I'm gonna expand into these markets. I'm gonna add these services. Like, that's your mindset, is an entrepreneurial mindset. You do residential or commercial or a mix of both. You've been in business at least two years. You're through that like, utter grind of the, of the first couple of years. Revenue is somewhere between 500K and 15 million. For painters that we work with, it really seems to be like five hundred, seven hundred and fifty, all the way up to, I'm going to say 6 million. Like in that little spot, we have a lot of our painting contractors battling through those growth stages. Uh, these bottom ones are probably the most important. Strong drive, desire to grow, and growth and leadership development. Okay, if that sounds like you, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you here at this PCA event. We're going to be here for the next couple days. And I'd also love to talk to you outside of this, okay? so. On this next slide, there's two options here. So, actually, let's just go straight to the QR code. Let's get rid of that. Yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll get rid of it. Okay. So scan that QR code in the back. Can can somebody in the back row give me a thumbs up and let me know if that works? Okay, awesome. So I'll leave that up. That will take you to a landing page and it's gonna ask you for some really basic information. It's gonna ask you for your first name, your last name, your email, the name of your company. Really simple stuff. Has everyone got the landing page? Okay, at the bottom of the landing page, there's two options, one says send me the templates, the other one says send me the templates and I'd love to talk to Breakthrough Academy. What that will allow you to do is it pushes to our team's available calendar spots. You can see when I'm free in the next week, you can see when people on my team are free in the next couple of weeks. Schedule a strategy session, let's talk. These, I, like, I love presenting, I love doing talks like this, especially with an awesome group like you guys. The one thing that sucks is it's, it's like a totally one-sided conversation. It's me rambling the whole time. I'd like to flip the script and just listen to you. Like, Tell me about your goals, tell me about your challenges, tell me about your team. What's going well, what isn't going well? Let's have a conversation that's a little bit more long-winded and a little bit more you-focused. So to do that, you hit send me the templates and I'd like to learn more about how Breakthrough Academy can help my business. This one here, send me the templates and let's talk about how you can help my business you book a call, and we will be in touch with you very shortly. Any final questions? Okay, so I see a few more you scanning. I'll just leave that up for a sec. Um, my name is Benji. I work with a company called Breakthrough Academy. We systemize painting businesses for growth. That's all we do. Come hang out for a beer. We're going to have a, just, if you want to catch up, we are going to be doing like a casual drink at the lobby bar at 6 before this dinner. Um, you're welcome to come, we'd love to see you. And I just want to thank you guys for being a really awesome group. I think you guys are, this is one of our favorite associations. I was a painter, we love painters. Um, you're a very, very smart bunch. You're asking really good questions and I, it, it, it gets me really excited talking to a group of people who, who really care about their team, their culture, and their goals for the future. So thank you for your time and we'll see you later.